And, and I don't know whether you feel like you're not in the Christmas zone or not, but um, there is always a group of people who are always in the Christmas zone this year. And it's kids. Now, whether it's your children, grandchildren, or just the kids down the street, they are probably getting busy writing their wish lists, counting down the days. They know exactly how many days it is. They're excited. They're eagerly waiting. They're hoping for something good this Christmas. My question for you is, what are you hoping for this Christmas? Who's hoping for a holiday or some time off work at the very least? Yes? All right. Is everybody else retired? I don't know. Sheesh. All right, so on that holiday or time off work or or whatever you're hoping for, um, who wants it to be peaceful and quiet? Right. Okay. Who wants it to be an adventure where you're camping, you're uh, tramping, you're road tripping, that sort of stuff? All right, awesome. What about about those people who are just just hoping for some settled weather? It's going to be... Nice and hot summer, low winds, good crop for the fruit, you know, that sort of stuff, that's what you're hoping for. All right, Um, who's hoping that their family will be able to come and visit? Who's hoping that their family will not be able to come and visit? (laughs) All right, good to know. Who's just hoping for some some good food? Maybe it's pavlova or or whatever your favourite, that's what you're kind of hoping for. Who's, Who's hoping for less government mandates and more normality. Yeah, I don't know. Who's just, who's just wanting to keep it really, really simple and you just are hoping for socks, for jocks and for chocks? Yeah? All right. Don't be shy about putting your hand up on that one, okay? Well, today's actually your lucky day because if you are hoping for socks and jocks, I don't have any for you, but if you're hoping for chocks, if you look under your seeds you'll find something. Don't be surprised. Now, if you're, in, if you're in one of the recliners, in one of the recliners, Patty, there's one under your seat. Now, I think along here... Your seat needs one because your seat didn't have any. Has your seat got? Yeah. <laughs> Good score. All right, what a surprise. Merry Christmas. Chocolates come early. But, uh, no, the front seat, no one ever sits in the front seat. <laughs> Were you going to do the whole row? Yeah. No. I, I had some spears, but always prepared. Anyway, right. I think that uh, all of us are hoping for something special this Christmas. And so that's why this morning I want to take you back 2,000 years ago to the first Christmas to introduce you to a man who was hoping for something special, very special. So if you've got a Bible, I invite you to turn or swipe to it or whatever, find um, Luke chapter 2. I'm going to put it on the screen, but um, <clears throat> I'm going to introduce you to a man called, called Simeon. And um, he's, he's not really a familiar figure in the Christmas story. I've never seen him represented 
in a nativity play. I've never seen him uh, mentioned in Christmas carols. I've never seen him on any Christmas cards. But he is an important person in the first Christmas story. So let me just set the scene while you are finding it in your Bible. And, and according to history, the, fir- the, the, the first Christmas story, Jesus was born in a little town called Bethlehem around about 2,000 years ago. And Bethlehem was part of the ancient lands known as Palestine, which is modern-day Israel. And at that time, Palestine was part of the Roman Empire. It was a territory within the Roman Empire. And so 40 days after Jesus was born, his parents, Mary and Joseph, took him, travelled from Bethlehem to the Jewish city of Jerusalem, a distance of around about 8 kilometres from Alexandra to Clyde, so not a huge distance sort of like half a day's travel. And they did this because the religious law at the time required that every Jewish family had to present their firstborn son at the temple. And the reason for this was twofold. Firstly, that the parents were to acknowledge God's provision with their child, but secondly, the child was to be dedicated to God. So that's what Mary and Joseph did. Forty days after Jesus was born, they took him to the temple to be dedicated. And we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. Now before we look at what happens next, just need to do like a quick character check on this guy Simeon. And you'll see there that he, this is actually his, the only time he's mentioned in the Bible. And there's not many details really, just a few short lines, but what we do know about him is that he's a pretty impressive guy. So you'll see there in verse 25, he's described as being righteous and devout. Now perhaps you might have uh, other translations of the Bible and and there's other words like honourable or blameless or committed or devoted but whatever descriptive is of Simeon, it's very clear that he is a good man. He loved God and he lived a life that was trying to bring God honour. In fact, Simeon appears to be so righteous, so devout that God promises him a glimpse of some plans in the pipeline. You'll see there in verse 26, the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, we can kind of infer from the text that he'd been waiting for a long time for this. It's it's hinted that he was not a young man, that it's likely that he was elderly. Now, we're not sure exactly how old he was. Some scholars estimate that he might have been around about 100 years old. Now, I have it on good authority that the oldest person in this room this morning is 89. Isn't that right, Patty? Yes. Okay. He will be 90 next year. We're pretty convinced of that. So so Simeon possibly could be even older than Patty. Um, Now, if Simeon was around about 100, then he would have seen terrible suffering and sadness in his lifetime. So the century before Jesus was born, Palestine was the scene of a lot of devastation and destruction. There was a bloody civil war. And then after that, the Romans forcibly conquered the Jewish people and then they ruthlessly crushed a number of uprisings against the Romans. 
And so Simeon was aware of all that suffering of the Jewish people. He'd seen that during his lifetime. And for decades he'd been waiting for God to sort out the mess. The interesting thing was that Simeon was not the only person waiting for God to do something. There was a real real hope among the Jewish people that God would send someone, a a Messiah, a saviour, a rescuer, someone to come and rescue his people to, to relieve them from foreign oppression and to restore their sovereignty. And this hope actually stretched back 500 years before this time. So during those centuries, the Jewish people, the, the tiny province of Palestine, had been conquered and dominated by the Babylonians, by the Assyrians, by the Persians, by the Greeks, and by the Romans. And in the midst of all that oppression, the Jewish people longed for God to save them. In fact, during the Assyrian conquest, a prophet uh, by the name of Isaiah, he, he captured the essence of this hope. He recorded a promise that God gave to his people. God said this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. Now, You may be familiar with those words. We've already heard some of them this morning. They are often shared and they're often sung at Christmas time. And so Simeon would have been aware of this prophecy that one day God would send a saviour for his people. And so, I don't know, I just wonder how many many days, how how many children Simeon had seen dedicated at the temple. Maybe hundreds of children. Maybe thousands of children in his lifetime that Simeon had seen it and maybe for each child he was waiting, trusting, hoping, wondering if this was the child that God would come through on. Well that day, that moment finally arrived and so Simeon follows the promptings of the Holy Spirit and and let's see what happens next. That day the Spirit led him to the temple so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. There's a real, there's like a tangible sense of joy that just overwhelms Simeon, for years he's been waiting, for years he's been believing, for years he's been hoping, waiting for this promise to come to pass. And then this, this baby boy that he is holding in his arms, the Messiah, the Saviour, God's rescuer, there's this sense of joy, a sense of relief for him that all these decades he's been holding on, he's been hanging on to hope, waiting for God to come through. I wonder, I wonder if you've been in that same place that Simeon was in, where you've been holding on to hope, where you've been hanging on to hope, just waiting for God to come through. I don't know about you, but in my experience, hanging on to hope is much easier to say than it is to do. 
there's pressures at work. Sometimes money's tight or the business takes a hit or you're in the midst of a dysfunctional relationship or you get a, an unexpected health diagnosis or there's that rebellious child or that unfriendly neighbour. Whatever challenge is that you are facing, holding on to hope, trusting that God will come through, is really hard. And so this morning I just want to encourage you to keep waiting, to keep trusting, to keep holding on to that hope that God will come through. Because Simeon, he could have easily been discouraged. I mean, not only had he been waiting for a very long time to see the Saviour, but the world that he lived in was really messy. The Roman conquest had brought anxiety and uncertainty for the Jewish people and, and a lot of aggression and a lot of oppression. And Simeon could have easily been disheartened by those difficulties. But instead he hung on to hope. He hung on to the promise of God. Look at what he says. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. What's curious is that those words are actually an echo of the prophet Isaiah and what he revealed 500 years before. And in that very same chapter where God promises a child, God also promises light which would pierce the darkness. This is what Isaiah said at the start of chapter 9. There'll be a time of darkness and despair. Uh, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. There'll be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You know, that's not as familiar as the promise that a child will be born and a son will be given, but I think it's just as important. You know, Isaiah knew that one day God would come through. He would send a great light to dispel the darkness. He would send a light to illuminate people's lives. And the amazing thing is that Simeon, he got that. He made the connection between that promised divine light and this tiny little baby that he held in his hands. That light was wrapped in the frame of this baby boy. You know, there is one problem with Christmas. And I think it's that unfortunately many people only see the baby. And that's understandable when you look at the nativity scenes that we're often presented with. So, you know, it's often like a, a ramshackle stable just stuffed with hay and then there's Mary and Joseph, you know, the doting parents and there's some pretty rough shepherds kind of lurking in the background and then there's some sheep and a cow and a goat and a pig and a donkey and some chickens and a cat and a dog and literally like a whole farmyard of animals. They sort of tend to take up half the nativity scene. And then there's three wise men who clearly didn't get the memo about casual dressing and they're always, you know, dressed up to the, the full nines. And there's often some angels hovering in the background. And then, and then there's baby Jesus. And baby Jesus, he is wrapped in cloths, good cropper here for a, you know, newborn baby, jealous. He's got his arms out, sometimes sort of half balancing on the little manger, sometimes doing some sort of traditional Christmas sign or something. 
if you're lucky, baby Jesus has a halo or some sort of celestial glow about him. And, you know, he looks good. He looks good. A few Christmases ago, um, it was reported that a church in Los Angeles had to call the cops. And they reported a burglary. Apparently someone had stolen their plastic baby Jesus from their nativity scene. And so when, when the pastor was really, really upset, he, he rung up the police. He was desperate to get the statue back in. And when he called the police, what he said was really interesting. He, he said to the police, we've got to find that baby Jesus because he's the only Jesus that these people have ever known. Now, please don't get me wrong. I love baby Jesus wrapped up in the manger. Like He's the cutest baby I've ever seen wrapped up in a manger, okay? But if that's your only perspective on Jesus, then that is a wee bit of a problem. You know, that if the plastic baby Jesus was the only Jesus that those people at that church in Los Angeles had ever known, then the pastor wasn't doing his job and the church was very one-dimensional because Jesus is so much more than a cute baby just lying in a manger. Like Jesus offers salvation from sin. He offers the light to reveal God. He brings glory to God's people. And I, for one, am glad that Jesus does, has not, did not stay as a helpless baby lying in a manger because if he did that, he would never have fulfilled his mission. As a man, Jesus showed people what God is like. He comforted the hurting. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He taught the thirsty. He restored the broken. He befriended the lonely. He looked out for the lost. He loved the least. He gave life to the dead. He shone God's light into people's lives and he gave hope. And, and as a Christian, as someone who tries, and doesn't always get it, but tries to live and love like Jesus every day, I can categorically say that my hope is not in politicians. My hope is not in scientists. My hope is not in tourists or the economy or a vaccine or my friends or my family or even myself. My hope is in Jesus. He is the one who gives meaning and purpose and truth and hope to my life. He is the one that that God promised would bring light to all the nations, to dispel the darkness, to bring hope to the hurting. And as Simeon held that little baby boy, He could look ahead and he could see that all that Jesus would do and all that Jesus would be, that he would shine a light, that he would teach truth, that he would show love and that he would bring hope. And so this morning the question is, what about you? Are you convinced that that God has the whole world in his hands? Do you believe that he could produce good out of this mess that we're in, this global mess, this national mess, this local mess, this personal mess? Are you, are you simply waiting in the midst of your circumstances, trusting in the face of your challenges? Are you holding on to hope that, that God will come through in your situation, that at the right time, just when you need him most, he will be there? Friends, this morning I want to encourage you to put your hope in Jesus. Totally take in this Christmas season, the nativity scene, and and appreciate the cuteness 
of baby Jesus. But don't forget that he is also the light of the world and that he is the one who offers hope to a dark and discouraging situations that we find ourselves in. William Barclay was a, a Scottish professor and an author in the 20th century and, and he wrote this, A person can endure anything so long as they have hope, for then they are walking not to the night but to the dawn. And maybe you're hurting, maybe you're confused, maybe you're anxious. I need to tell you that Jesus offers you hope for the new dawn. A fresh start, a clean slate, a new leaf. If you would believe, if you would trust, if you would live for him. So if you want to find out more about that, feel free to talk to myself or anybody. We'll have a prayer team after church in the corner. We would love to share the hope of Jesus with you. I just want to finish by reading a poem which I came across recently. This is what it said. Bright lights and presents waiting underneath the tree. Delicious food and great excitement for you and for me. We sing songs of shepherds and a saviour's birth, but are we really aware of his majestic worth? A host of heavenly angels proclaimed his arrival, this precious baby boy who would live and die for our survival. There are people in this broken world at the end of their rope. They need to hear the good news that there is hope. So as we draw close to another Christmas time, love everyone you meet and let Jesus' light shine. Thanks. What are you wishing for this Christmas season?